What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret. Today we have an exciting episode with the one and only Brandon Turner. We are going to talk about his story from before Bigger Pockets all the way through now, where most of you probably know of him as the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, author of several very successful books, including How to Invest in Real Estate, the book on rental property investing, the book on investing in rental properties with no and low money down, etc., etc. This episode is really exciting as we talk about the past, present, and future of what life looks like for Brandon Turner and how to achieve success like that. If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining the community. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcasts. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, guys? The episode is about to start, but before we begin today, I decided to do something a little bit different than a normal sponsorship. I just wanted to talk to you about the VA loan for just a moment. It is a huge, huge benefit that us service members get that a lot of people don't take advantage of, or maybe they misuse it, uh, misunderstand it. There's just a lot of misconceptions out there. And that is why I created a long form, I think it's over 4,000 words, article at fromilitarytomillionaire.com slash VA loan slash and I also created a, well, it was a four-part series on the VA loan, but then a new bit of information came out about the VA loan limits going away. So now it's a five-part series on YouTube. There's an entire playlist just titled VA loan. Go check it out, and hopefully we can help you out. Also, if you're looking to utilize the VA loan or interested in utilizing the VA loan to buy a house in the near future, but you don't know of any quality agents or lenders in the area, go to frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash VA dash referral slash. There's some information there. Fill it out and I will be happy to go look for a quality agent or lender for you to help you ensure you get a knowledgeable representative. One of the biggest mistakes that I made early in my investing career is I did not utilize the right person. I got talked out of using the VA loan and to date it's probably cost me around 10 grand. Definitely check that out. Hope we can help you avoid making the same mistakes I did. Now, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and I am here with the man who needs no introduction today, Brandon Turner himself. So, Brandon, I, uh, I'd i like to say thanks for joining me, but I'm actually at <laughs> his house today, and he got new mics, and I was like, let's try let's, them out and play with them. We're going to make this happen today. Yeah, we got brand new mics. We got birds chirping in the background. We even have two video cameras set up and a ring light. This yeah. is the most like legit interview setup I've ever done. I feel like I need to go Joe Rogan and try to talk you into smoking a block. That's, that's not going to happen today. Thank you, Mr. Joe Rogan. It's okay. Don't, the Marine Corps, I can't. I'm not actually. Uh, Man, this is going to be awesome, though. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon. Man, okay. Before so bigger pockets. Before bigger people, pockets. People so I know that. I was born on a cold, blustery July 9th day, and uh, in Minnesota. Grew up in Minnesota. My family still lives there, most of them, and ended up falling in love with a girl in high school. Well, it, it was college, but we were eight. I was just out of high school, so I was 18, 17, even when I met Heather. Anyway, first girlfriend, like, well, second official girlfriend, but I had a girlfriend for a day. It doesn't count. So. First official, like, real girlfriend. We met, like, the first day of college. So it was just after I graduated high school. Went to college that fall. Met there. 
Uh, I fell in love with her, moved out to Washington State after college. Like after that one year, you know, she went back home. I went to be closer to her. And I house hacked my very first rental property. And what I mean by that is not that I own the rental property, but I rented an apartment and rented out all the bedrooms and eventually just ended up living on the couch because that was cheaper. So I was like, wow, if I live in the, if I'm on the couch and I rent out my bedroom, I can actually make a little bit of money to live here. And that was like the beginning of my, you know, how to house hack your way into success, I guess. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, what what made you think to do that? Because I don't know of any back, back what, 15 years yeah, ago, yeah. I don't know of any books that were out there. Definitely wasn't a bigger pockets where yeah. like everybody knew and talked about house hacking. Yeah. Was that something like someone was like, hey, you should, like your dad, like, hey, you should check this out. Or was that just a, man, what if he rented my place? Yeah, it really was like an accident. Because actually, so the, the story was I moved out, there were three guys that I was friends with. So three friends and me. We, we got a four-bedroom apartment, uh, three bedroom. you know, the three guys had each of those rooms, and I was by myself. And then one guy moved out. And I was like, shoot, like you like, couldn't hack it. Living on his own, went back home. <laughs> and I was like, it. yeah, I couldn't hack it. So I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, I went to the college, and I just put up an ad, just said, room for rent. I'd never done that before, and that was brand new. So I rented out a bedroom, and... Then another guy moved out, and then another guy moved out. And it's like, by that time, I had rented out three of the bedrooms, and I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm kind of a landlord at this point. And so when then I had the idea, I was like, I'm never there. I worked an overnight job. It was a terrible overnight job. I was making like minimum wage. And yeah, it was great. So I was like, well, I'll just rent out my bedroom as well, and then I, when I'm in there, I'll just sleep on the couch. And that's, that's how the real estate journey started. So yeah. later on, I actually got married. Uh, moved, uh, my wife and I, I had bought a house just before that, this is a couple years later, I finished up college, jumped around the country a couple times, finished college, bought a house, um, rented out the bedrooms to friends as well, again, exact same thing, I just rent, bought a single family house that was a fixer-upper, like, I, I would say I was raised by a garage sale mom, so, like, my mom, just, like, she didn't, I mean, all she taught, she never know anything about real estate, she's not a real estate investor, um, but, she was like, get a good deal, no matter what you do. Negotiate a good deal. So I went on and I found the cheapest house in my area. I needed some work and I bought it. And I'm not saying that's always the best idea in the world, but it worked out. So I rented the bedrooms out when I got married. Uh, my wife, Heather, moved in and then we sold the house and made 20 grand. And I was like, I'm rich. Like that was it. <laughs> I'm done. No, I, I discovered that there was this cool thing, like real estate, you could actually make more money. And at the time I was going to go to law school. I was studying for the uh, LSAT. I took the LSAT, which is a test. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. So anyway, got into real estate instead, started flipping houses, buying rental properties, and eventually sold that house, bought a duplex, so I house hacked it officially, lived in one unit, rented the others out. Started flipping, the market crashed, this is 08. Ended up hanging on to a bunch of the houses that I had flipped, a few of them, and that turned into what we're at today. I just kept expanding, so today I'm at 90-ish, 95, 96 units, yeah. and trying to aim for 1,000. I was gonna say, we'll have to talk about that later. There's sure. just, if you can see it on the camera over there, there's this, really cool thing about surfing that <laughs> is going to be a business well it is a business plan but it's going to be a pretty cool thing in a few years yeah we'll see yeah i have a, I have a place we're going but yeah happy to talk about that too so. yeah that's that's super cool so throughout these first 95 96 units did you have a favorite strategy or yeah. was it just kind of whatever you could do it it was pretty much whatever i could do i mean all i knew knowing now today what i know now like i would have done things a lot differently i think i'd be a lot i'd already have a thousand units right now but in the beginning all i really know knew was like if I bought property, I hear the word, I, the phrase I used, I was collecting units. And I still love that today. I still say I'm collecting units. Same way people collect cars, I was collecting doors or units, right? So I started with one, then went to two, and then bought another one, had three, and then four, and then five, and then like a triplex, it was like, you know, eight. 
and then another house was like nine. So I was just collecting units, and in my head, I was like, if I just collect enough, because every one gave a little bit of money, right? It's like a little, I've using, uh, I've heard the analogy oil wells. You know, a little oil well just like pumping up and yeah. down, right? So every one was an oil well pumping out a little bit of extra money every month. And I was like, if I just get enough of these, I can quit my job. And that number for me was 30. I wanted 30 units and I'd be able to quit my job. And so when I was 27, I bought an apartment complex. It was 24 units and that definitely bumped me over the, I think I had about that point 40-ish. Um, and I quit my job. I was like, all right, I'm done. And like I literally like went home and I was like, I quit my job and I was like, I'm just going to sit around on the couch for a while. And I sat around on the couch for a while. And then I realized very quickly that the goal of life is not to just sit on the couch. I'd say that's a boring existence. Yeah. And plus, like, yeah, I'm making like three or four grand a month. I mean, like, you can survive pretty well on that yeah. when you're 22 or 23, 24, whatever. But you start throwing a wife and kids and travel and adventure and cool stuff in there. And all of a sudden, three to four grand isn't cutting it. Yeah. So, uh, but the way I describe it today is like, there's like three levels of financial freedom. Level one is I can pay all of my expenses, like the bare bones expenses, I can get by at level one financial freedom. That's what I had achieved at that point when I was 27. And that is a great place to get to, right? Because once you achieve that level one financial freedom, then you have the free time, if you choose to use it, to get you to level two or three. Level two is where like you can buy kind of whatever you want. Like I'd kind of put myself at that right now where I feel like I have level two financial freedom where I can go move to Maui and buy yeah. a cool house, right? And like I can, if I won't really build want to- Build a shed. Yeah, I can build this shed. And like, <laughs> this is like 20, I don't know, I think I spent 15 or 20 grand on this like sea shed. Yeah, I could build the shed and I don't have to worry about it, right? So I can buy, and then level three is like, I can buy a jet, right? Like or the jets, right? Yeah. Oh, That's like yeah. level three. And now so. we're talking about Cardone and, yeah, yeah, exactly. and Gary's goals. Yes, we're, we're throwing in Gary and Grant right in one conversation. So that's level three. That's where they're aiming for two, right? They're probably both at level... Uh, Grant might be at level three. Yeah, they're probably both at level three at this point. But like that's the way I look at it. So anyway, level one, if you can achieve level one financial freedom, gives you that ability then to dedicate your time. Maybe you want to go and like be a missionary overseas. That's great. If you have level one financial freedom, you can do that. If you have level one financial freedom, you can work on a hobby more often. You can raise your kids if that's what you want, or you can build a real estate empire even bigger or build a side business, whatever. So that's what I'm today, like I'm probably most passionate about is helping people get to level one financial freedom while I actively pursue level two and three. Awesome. For, I'm going to pause for two seconds. And for those of you who are listening that are active duty military, I just want to point out that the moment you entered active service, you instantly became a level one financial freedom. You attained mm. that through the Service Member Civil Relief Act where all your debts get either eradicated or interest rates get, they literally will cut all that. your interest rates to 6%. That's Any crazy. loan you had prior to joining. Really? Gone. So wow. at this point, what you and I, I can't say that I've never done this, do is we take our level one financial freedom and throw it to the curb because we didn't actually have to earn it. And then we go and buy a Harley that you totaled, yeah. <laughs> sports cars and, and trips and alcohol and tattoos. And, and uh, so I just want to throw that out there. That for all of you thinking, yeah, mustache, it's a very expensive <laughs> hobby. Uh, for all you thinking that you, you don't have enough money, you started that way. You just didn't have to earn it, so you didn't care. So if you find yourself in debt, you got no one to blame but yourself. So anyway, that's my, my sidetrack because I, I like think it. that's a, I never thought. As soon as you said what level one and started explaining, I was like, you know, I never really thought about it that way. But yeah, yeah we get. Housing paid for, food paid for, medical yeah. benefits. Like there's no expense. You could live especially for free. especially when you get out of the military and you get you get you get done. Like, like you put in your 20 years or whatever you have to do. I'm not exactly sure the rules, right? Like you generally should have enough to pay your bills for the rest of your life, your pension or whatever your retirement. Like that gets you level one, and that might be enough for most people. Uh, it might be enough for you, um, where you can like literally sit on the couch and do nothing. 
but they've done studies and I, I can't quote yeah, them exactly but yeah people like go like depressed and miserable when you get to level one financial freedom if you don't have a plan to replace that work time with something else yeah and well, so you can either build or one of the things know. we talked about whenever this was starting one of the reasons the probably the main reason for this entire platform was that you know i know too many people get out of service and they they kill themselves yeah like, what do problem. i do and, yeah. and the the biggest reason for that, I think, is is not having a purpose. Yep. So this is my purpose. Right? There you go. So now I have a job. There you go. That hopefully it's not really ever feel like a job. But. Well, and that's the funny thing, right? Is people people will talk about like the I want to get out. I want to get into real estate. I want to build wealth because I want to get out of my job. Like it's such a common thing because I want financial freedom. Uh, I, and they envision this life, and this is like the gurus will sell this. Like I envision the life of like sitting on a beach and doing nothing for years. Uh, but the beach gets old. I mean, like. We, you've been here in Maui now for a few days. We haven't even gone to the beach yet together. Nope. Like, and so like the beach gets old over time. Now I'm not saying it's not fun. Like, I still love to go out there and do stuff. But like, yeah, if that's all you're looking for is to get out of a job, real estate can get you there. But what comes next? That's what yep. you got to figure out. And so if you're in the military now, what comes next when you get to that point? And, and maybe it just means climbing higher and higher in the military forever. Or maybe you have something else you want to work on or, you know, just have that. It's, it's important. Even just a hobby. Yeah. Uh, so you get your 90 units, and you attain level 2 financial freedom, move to Maui, yeah. which is super cool because I get to visit yeah. uh, now. I don't know. If I'm and, I, and I will say, like, my level 2 financial freedom doesn't only come from real estate. In fact, most of it actually comes from other things. Uh, you know, I, I write books, and I work with bigger pockets, and I do podcasts and webinars and blogs and everything like that, and I get paid money for everything that I do. Uh, and so, like, level 2 financial freedom, which I feel like I'm at today, is a mix of both real estate and other, like, passive incomes like book royalties uh, and so I typically what I do is I live on like the money that I make from the job of bigger pockets in other words I get actually paid a salary for things like podcasting which is great uh, I live on that money my real estate money I recycle back into the current rental properties making them better fixing them up paying off debt things like that I keep that money in there I don't take any money from my rental properties really at all that money just Eventually, it'll stack up high enough where I'll use that for a down payment for something new. Or, like, yeah, I paid off three properties in the last couple of years just because I'm like, why not increase my cash flow, paying them off? And there's a whole argument whether or not that's a good idea or not. It worked. I did it. And uh, then the third, like, the, the book royalties uh, and other things that I do that are side businesses or whatever, that money I dump into future real estate deals. And so I kind of, I, I try to separate that. It's kind of the whole, like, if you can live on half your income, you can invest the other half. Like, I've tried to live, I've tried to live on way less than half my income. Yeah which is awesome and brilliant and why you've been able to continue to create well, thank the snowball. You. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, cause when people, cause you're right. People get to level one, they sit on the couch. Well, how long can you sustain that? Not, not just from the, the boredom point of view, yeah. but like realistically with inflation and this, that, and the other, unless your assets always keep up eventually, you have to go back to work. Yep. Yeah. I'd rather just keep the foot on the gas than yeah. try to you know, jump yep. the clutch going up a hill. And there's, there's, there's fun in business and there's fun. And like, I, I wish, you know, when I, we were kids, all right, like you, you, the business guy was the villain in the movie, like the kids movies, like in every case, like the guy, the business guy was always the villain, always the bad guy. And I don't love, I don't love that that's ingrained in kids today that, to think like, I thought business meant boring. I thought business meant like old stuffy people driving around in their, you know, Mercedes, like with their slick black, slick back black hair and their, you know, like, I don't know, like going on their third wife. Like that's what I thought business was because that's how it's portrayed when you're a kid. Yeah. And I didn't realize until I got older, and I love this phrase, Mark Cuban says it, business is a sport. 
Like business is the sport of life. Like it's so fun and competitive and creative. It's like the artwork of life. It's the science of life. Uh, and so you get to incorporate all those things in there at the same time helping people. Like if you create a business, hopefully your business somehow helps people. Even if it's like you're serving ice cream, like that helps people enjoy their day. And uh, I, I don't think that's talked about enough that business is not just about like wearing a suit and tie. I mean, I, I'm in board shorts right now. Yeah, this is me throwing yeah. a polo on because exactly. I felt like it. Yeah, there you I go. I a t-shirt on all And it's still a Hawaiian polo. <laughs> so. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it was a gift from uh, standing in an open house with a buddy. Oh, that's awesome. He's like, here, wear this shirt. I'm like, okay. And then he let me keep it. So there you go. It's as Hawaiian as they come because he's local. <laughs> so, man, and that's so right. And I think that's what got me stuck on real estate. And, you know, I hear people say it the more I talk to people that you get into real estate for financial freedom and then you realize that you found something you love and you just keep doing it. Yeah. And like, for, there's something about analyzing deals and net, negotiating and networking. Yeah. Even if I wasn't making money anymore, I think I'd still, in, like, do it's fun. Yeah. You know, I think I, I, I use analogy often or compare it to like hunting. Like, there's something about hunting. Now, I don't hunt. Like, I've never really, I've never hunted in my life. And I would feel so bad if I shot Bambi. <laughs> but I understand there is a part of the male, like, especially, especially the male, some females as well, but that like, needs to go and hunt and kill something. Like there's just something in our like core being, whether that's like planted where I would believe it's like planted by God in there to survive or if it's an evolutionary thing, if you want to go that route, it doesn't matter. In our head somewhere, we have this like, I'm going to go and hunt and kill and take down something. And, and I love that real estate allows us to do that. Like I just feel like sometimes most alive when I'm putting together a deal and I'm like making things happen and like, cause it's, I'm hunting down something and like, I'm sure a hunter is probably like, lame but like <laughs> that's what it feels like i mean you're, you're listening to this in a yeah. flannel shirt yeah exactly there I, I used to wear flannel shirts i was a poser hunter apparently <laughs> lumber like, sexual i was that's lumber the, sexual that's yes the that's word, the word right? there you go I, i'd never thought about it in terms of hunting but that, that's true and it is and there's something to like problem solving through all the issues that arise and just making stuff happen that's yeah. just it's just fun yeah if you really want to take that analogy even farther i mean like if you think about hunting like in order to get a deer if you're gonna go out hunting in order to get a deer you sometimes have to sit out there and like wait for hours and hours and hours and be ready it's like the whole luck uh, what's the luck is where preparation meets opportunity yep. right so like that you get lucky the deer walked in front of you and you were able to shoot it no you were out there you were prepared you had your gun right so so many real estate are like, real estate investors are walking around going i can't find any deers right like they just keep, they and i'm like well, where's your gun like where where's your deer stand what are you doing are you are you are you preparing yourself for the opportunity so that you get it oh no you know and what i mean by that is like like are you knowledgeable about what you're doing do you know exactly what you're looking for what kind of deer are you looking for right are you uh do you get your gun clean like are you got your money ready to be able to put into it or do you know how you're going to finance that deal I mean, are you waiting? Are you are you are you looking? Like, are you up in that tree playing video games on your phone because everyone's on their phone all the time, right? Uh, like, or are you looking for deer that are walking below you? And so, like, there's definitely a a, a correlation there. And when, so, when people tell me they can't find any deals, uh, like the first thing I go to is always like, okay, well, what do you like? Yeah. Like, how many offers did you make this week? Well, you know, how many shots did you take? Oh, I didn't find the yeah. deal. I didn't find it. Okay, well, how many leads are you getting? Like, what are you doing for leads? Do you think if the deal was just posted there that somebody who was already doing this would yeah, have bought it? Exactly, right? Oh, that's such a good point. Like, people think that if, like, they just go on the MLS and they're like, look at some properties and like, oh, there's nothing there. Like, yeah, because they're already gone. Like, I mean, if you're going to use the MLS, I'm not saying don't use the MLS, right? 
But you got to be smart about that. You got to be quick about that. You got to you got to see what other people aren't seeing. There's only a few markets where yeah. that works anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, and good luck with the MLS in Hawaii. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. But there are some there are a couple of techniques that I do like. If you're going to use the MLS, if that's how you want to start, fine. It's a great way to get your feet wet to like start analyzing deals to get like really using the MLS and with a real estate agent is like a way to get a bunch of little like rabbits continually fed to you. They're not the deer you're looking for, generally speaking, right? I've bought good deals on the MLS, but usually they're like the, the deer, but they're practice shots, right? Like, so the little bunny rabbit goes in front of you and you can still shoot the bunny, like go after it. Um, and you might not actually land it, it might not be a good deal, but you, you analyzed it, you went and tried to figure out how you would buy it, you made it real, like you pretended it was a deer, and so you just built that that repetition over and over and over. So when that the deer does come, you're ready to take it down. Yep. It's target practice. It's target practice. When the deer comes around and you can't shoot, that sucks. Yeah, right? Yeah, you're just like, it's like three feet away from you. Yeah, like, movies will do that sometimes. Scope you're check like, yourself. Yeah, you ever watch like 24? I mean, any like movie with a gun ever made and it's like the bad guy's like just like... You know, shooting and like the bolts are just going all around them. Never reload. Yeah, never reload Always ever. Always yeah. ammo. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was watching man. John Wick the other day, and like I actually like that movie a lot. But like, man, Keanu Reeves, like he he like gets everybody right between the eyes, right? Everybody, but like all the bad guys, man, they couldn't shoot you if you were six inches away. Like they put the gun at your head and they like fire and it like goes over his head, and I'm like. I don't know. They need to do some more hunting or something. Or, or hire some better bodyguards. Or, yeah. Henchmen or... Where yeah. are you getting these guys? Yeah, exactly. I always wonder that in movies. Like, where, where do these guys come from? There's, like, henchmen yeah. that just do nothing but die. Like, the worst shots in the Marine Corps would be able to hit you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they're all, all experts. They're amazing. So that's it's the all best force in the world. All Don't mess do with is, America. All we do is shoot guns all day. <laughs> nothing. Nothing else. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, I'm curious... Over, over the time frame so far, then we'll probably talk a little bit about the future. What would you say, if you had to go back, what do you think was like the biggest mistake you made in the beginning? Mm, good question. I like to say my biggest mistake was not scaling fast enough. And, yeah, and, I, and I'm hesitant to say that because, you know, like, I, okay, so years ago I, I emailed Seth Godin. So, okay, so even bigger story. So I started a blog one time. This is before BP. I started a blog called If I Could Go Back. Dot com. I bought the domain name. It was called ificouldgoback.com. I don't even own it anymore. Somebody else can take my idea and run with it. But I, I was like, wouldn't it be cool to like just interview really successful people and ask them that question over and over, like different people. Knowing what you know today, going back, what would you do differently? So I emailed Seth Godin, who's a famous marketer, uh, just kind of a thought leader. And I had read one of his books. And so I emailed him and said, what would you do if you could go back, if I could ask you that? And he just wrote back like a one sentence thing to me. And he said, if I could go back, I wouldn't be who I am today. So I wouldn't go back or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, that's a cheap answer but I get I get his point right and I'm saying the same thing so yes did I make mistakes yes did they get me to where I am today yes and so would I go back and change it no but in the spirit of the question uh I didn't scale and what I mean by remember earlier I said I bought like a house and then like a duplex and then a house and then like a triplex and a house I I stayed here's the mistake I stayed in my comfort zone like way too long right? it was easy to buy a house it was easy to buy a duplex. So I w that's all I was looking for. Today, I tell people, like, I mean, if I were to go back and do that again, I'd buy the house. Good, get, understand how to buy a house. But once that was comfortable for me, I should have pushed out of that immediately and gone and bought the fourplex. And immediately when I bought the fourplex, as soon as I felt comfortable, I should have jumped out and bought the 20 unit right then. And as soon as I felt comfortable with the 20 unit, I should have gone for a 100 unit and started raising money. You know, I look at some guys around today that, like, that 
got started at the same time I did, and they have 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 units. Why? Because they had the guts to do that, right? They didn't stay in their comfort zone. They continually pushed outside of that. And so the biggest mistake I had was living in my comfort zone for way too long. I like it. That's the kind of thing that made me buy my big one, which is probably yeah. the biggest mistake I've made so far because it hasn't worked out yet. Yeah, but, that's all right. But, but you, you know what? I went for it. Yeah, you went for it. You like, we'll see what you happens saw later. this giant buck of a deer walking through the woods, right? You took a shot and you wounded that thing. You brought it back home and you were going to carry it on your back and then it started wiggling. And, and then I became vegan and didn't touch there it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think but, that's how the story ends. But. No, but I love that you did that. I mean, like, who cares how things like that turn out? I mean, like, here's what I tell people all the time. The first deal you do is not going to make you rich. The first house you buy, the first duplex is not going to make you rich. That property was not, is not going to make you rich one way or another, right? My first mobile home park that I bought last year, about a 42-unit mobile home park, $1.1 million, not going to make me rich. I'll make a little bit of money off of it, but what I what you do get is the knowledge, the experience, and the social capital. In other words, other people knowing what you're doing. You get that, and that that is powerful. Like that's what makes you rich is the knowledge and experience and the education you gain th- by going through it. So, like people are like, well, that first deal, I don't know. Brandon said he usually tries to get two hundred dollars in cash flow, and this is only one hundred and eighty. Not sure if I should do it. I'm just like, stop it. Like, I just actually threw something at you. It's assault. You uh, I, I always need something I to like... I have it on recording. There you go. No, but I always like, I always like throw something at him and be like, stop it. Like, who cares? Like, the first deal isn't about the deal. If you can no. do it, who cares? Just get it done. Now, I'm not saying buy a bad deal. No. I'm just saying, like, go out there and hunt something. Who cares if it's Bambi or if it's Bambi's mom or Bambi's dad? Just kill something, bring it home, roast it over the fire, and be a man. And let's say I lose... <laughs> Everything, right? And I yeah. lose like the, all the money that's invested. We just totally lose a lot. Like, like yeah. just nothing ever comes back, right? I put paid the same amount that some people pay for a program, and yeah. I, and at least I had a you know, yeah. property. So and you didn't I, lose everything, I, right? Because nobody's taking this. Yeah, like, nobody's taking what's in your head. Is there? And that's there. Like, I'm not really any worse off. Yep. So, yeah, it's whatever. If you, it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, cool story. Great learning experience. And learning experience. The knowledge is really where it's at. Yeah. But then turn around and go back out. Get it done. It's cool. All right, so that's exciting that that was your answer because that's actually not what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have expected, but I would have thought that you had done that well. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, right? I mean, I did. I mean, I eventually bought the Obviously twenty-four unit, but you like, got, you got but I bought my units. twenty-four unit. I bought my twenty-four unit and got to that level at twenty-seven. I'm thirty-three, almost thirty-four, which means I bought that property six. He's old. I know I'm old. I bought that property seven. We'll call it seven years ago. That first twenty-four unit, and it wasn't until last year that I bought my next big 24 unit, I bought another 24 unit and then a 41 unit mobile home park. In those six years, what was I, well, I mean like the obvious answer is what was I doing? I was building a podcast and growing bigger pockets. And so that's fine, I don't regret that. Again, I don't regret that. But during that time, why didn't I also go and hunt some 100 unit deals? I mean, this was 2012, 13 and 14. It was an amazing time to find those properties. Again, I look at guys like, here's a good example, Joe Fairless. Right, Joe Fairless is another podcaster. I like him a lot. He has a conference and everything. And the guy's got like 3,000 units right now. We started the same time at real estate. We started a podcast around the same time. It wasn't like he was less busy. He just had the gumption to go out there and like crack down and buy some big deals. And it's awesome to see. And I'm, I'm glad for him. And now I'm like, all right, well, Joe, I'm coming at you. I'm coming for you. And, yeah. uh, and Joe, teach me how you managed to find. Yeah. You know, one guest for every day of the year. I know that's you're, yeah, you're blows insane. my mind. 
but I'll yeah. be your Christmas guest. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's cool. What do you think's your your biggest win so far? Hmm. Good question. Hanging out in Maui with me. Hanging out in Maui with you is a pretty good win. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on cheaper real estate. I mean, what I mean is like residential. I've got a good grasp on that. And if I can call that a win is the fact that I like, I get it and I can explain it to people in a way that I think a lot of people can't. And I'm definitely not a teacher and I'm not the world's best at this, but I think that because I understand it pretty well, uh, people like to hear me try to explain concepts that maybe feel overwhelming. So I'd call that a win. Uh, my probably biggest win is landing my wife. It took me four times out. You know, I met her the first day of college. It took me four times to get her to go out with me. And, uh, even when she did finally say yes, it basically I, I blackmailed her into it. Not a blackmail, what's the word? I, I gave her like ultimatum. I was like, well, I can't be your friend anymore. So that was a, that's a win. Having my little girl Rosie, that's a win. Yeah. Uh, so I really like, I'm such a lifestyle guy. Like, I mean, I'm still, I'm still ambitious. I still want to go a thousand units and I'm going to do it. When I look at that, I say, how do I get a thousand units now? How do I go from a hundred to a thousand without sacrificing the lifestyle, without having to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week? How do I do this on 20 hours a week? How do I do this using other people? Who cares if I have to give up some of the profits and I have to raise the money and I don't, I don't care. Like lifestyle is what matters to me. So I, I have a pretty sweet lifestyle right now. I actually am kind of glad that you brought that up because I was going to figure out how to mention that. But uh, for these, you, you see Brandon everywhere because he's a super busy guy, but he's probably the closest to a four hour work week of anyone I know. I don't know. I don't know Tim <laughs> Ferriss well enough to know if he's living the lifestyle. Uh, but, but I, I've always thought, man, like how in the world does he get this much done and still manage to just like leave his phone all day. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh yeah, I'll check my phone. And he like live your life the way you want to on what, your terms. And that's cool. I think that's how I, I do it. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best at it either. And I'm trying to get better. And you know, we had Cal Newport on our show the other day. It was, um, all about like digital minimalism and how to use your phone less. But, but I, I am very deliberate about not using my phone so much because I know how much time that sucks. And, and I didn't realize that. So there's this app called Moment, M-O-M-E-N-T. And now iPhone actually has like their own version of it, like built right in. But I had this Moment app and I installed it on my phone and it tracks how much screen time you use, like how much per day, like you're staring at your phone using it. And I, I, after a couple of weeks, I looked down and it was five hours, five hours a day on my phone. And I'm like, that's just not, that can't be true. And then I start thinking about it. And then when, once you start measuring something, you start noticing it, right? So it's 30 minutes in the morning before I wake, I mean, before I get out of bed, it was 30 minutes of scrolling through my Instagram. Just like I'm half asleep. I'm just scrolling through it. That's 30, 40 minutes right there. You know, you use it. If you're in the bathroom, there's five minutes right there, right? You use it while you're waiting in line at the grocery store. You check a hundred text messages a day when they come in and respond to them. It's a minute right there every time. It's a hundred minutes right there of just texting. Uh, and then the occasional, I'm going to watch this quick YouTube video. It turns into like 30 hours of YouTube videos a month, right? Like yeah. it's like, it adds up. And so I was able to, once I realized that I set some goals for myself on reducing that down to an hour a day. And I know a lot of people are saying, wow, Brandon had a problem five hours a day. That's average. Like that's actually the average amount that most Amer or the average American spends five hours a day on their phone, like five freaking hours. Like what's that? 35 hours a week on your phone almost the amount of time that you're at your job, like on your phone and you're saying you don't have enough time. Like, and some people are saying, well, that's not me. Oh, well, go find out, right? Go yeah. download an app, start looking at it. And it's scary how much time we spend on our phone. Anyway. So I found little ways to like try to make that better. For example, I check my text messages about twice a day uh, and then I just 
try to burn through all of them. Uh, people kind of know that I just don't respond that quickly to text messages. I don't have, I don't check email. I, I sometimes check email on my phone. I never respond to email on my phone ever. Uh, I shouldn't even have it. I just check it because occasionally there's something important and I don't know. That's probably a lame excuse. Um, Instagram, I'll install and then I'll take it off later. Because when also you gain back that 30 hours a week, or even if you're not as bad as me, maybe you're only at an hour a day right now. Okay, that's still seven hours a week, 28 hours a month, 30 hours a month of time on your phone. If you could cut half that out, that's 15 more hours every month. 15 hours a month, you could build a 100-unit portfolio. I fully believe that. Like It doesn't take much time to invest in real estate. It just takes deliberate focus time a few times a week. Right? I use this analogy all the time of like, all you need to do in most things in life is like get the ball down the field a little bit. Everyone thinks that real estate's about Hail Marys and like, oh, I got this amazing deal. It just landed there. But like those are the end result. The touchdown is the end result of what was driving the ball three yards, three yards. It's not sexy, right? It's just like give it to the running guy, running back. Is that who does that? I don't know. I'm not a football, not guy. A football guy. Yeah. Yes. You give it to the running back. I'm going to say that. And they run it, right? That. Somebody's laughing at me right I was now. Say, I'm nerds. Yeah, I'm such a nerd. All right, so you give it to the guy and he runs three yards, then he runs three yards, then he runs three yards. And then, like, if the entire game, if that's all they did, nobody would like football because that'd be pretty boring. But that's what they do a lot of the time, right? People love the big plays. They love the big touchdown in the end zone, you know, run it, throwing the ball 30 yards. Everyone gets excited and stands up and cheers. That's not what wins games. What wins games is three yards, three yards, three yards, all the way down. If you just keep doing that consistently, you can't lose. Yeah. You just always win. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm huge on that. Like, if you just define, like, what is the next step I need to do right now in my real estate? I mean, let's, like, right now I'm thinking, okay, the next thing I need to do, we had uh, a bunch of people apply for, like, an in, basically an internship or, like, coming on to, uh, to help me find deals. We had 350 people apply for that. Amazing. In a 24-hour period. In a 24-hour period. Yeah, it was crazy. Based on an Instagram story. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. So now what's my next step? Well, I got a couple people actually really, really like that I know well that applied. And um, so I need to call Lance, who's the guy running acquisitions for me. Because again, I, we talk about that too, but I need to call Lance and tell him to look hard at these couple people because I know them and I trust them and I like them. Like that's a simple one minute conversation. I don't have to call. I can text Lance this, <laughs> right? But I've known this for three days now and I've not done it because I've never actually sat down and said, what is my next step I need to do? So now that I know that, I'm going to text them as soon as we get done and say, hey, check out these three people. And, you know, I want to put them on top of the list because, I, yeah, anyway, it's just, it's, there's always something, and it's usually like a minute, two minutes, a phone call to text an email. It's something small, but it's those small actions compounded daily that produce results in the long term. That's what gets you to the end zone, which then everyone sees the touchdown. They see the property, the deer that you bagged, right? They don't see the four hours you sat in the deer stand in the middle of the night and you're all freezing cold, right? All they see is a result on Instagram. So there you go. That's cool. All right. So we're going to a thousand units. Yeah. I say we're generally. Yes. Because it's you. <laughs> going to a thousand units. What's the plan? The plan. The plan is a thousand units. Next question. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so you can have a, so I'm, I'm a big believer in having like a vision for your future, like a three to five year vision. Take your vision down to a one year goal. Take your goal down to a 90 day plan or 90 day, you know, uh, benchmark or goal, whatever you want to call it. And then taking that down to weekly and daily action plans. So I'm, I'm like, you funnel everything out. So my, my vision is a thousand units in five years. But if that's all I did, I watched around talking about my vision. It's the same thing as a guy walking around talking about how he wants to lose weight, right? And and that's all he said. I'm gonna I'm gonna look like Chuck Norris someday, right? Like everyone like I hope not. But like ever like <laughs> it's 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 the 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 vision is fine. You should have it, and I have a very clear vision on where I'm headed now. But 
I want to take the vision and, and chunk it down. And so again, so this year I'm going from 100 to 200 units. That's probably two mobile home parks I'm going to buy or two multifamily properties, 50 units or so. I like mobile home parks only because I like them. Like they're not the best investment in the world. I just pick something that I think is kind of cool and beats, fits my criteria and personality and I'm going with it. Uh, I'm also a big believer in that. Just like picking something and go with it. Like who cares if it's the best option? Like most people spend 20 years trying to look for the best option. They take no option, right? There's no perfect deal. Yeah, there's no perfect deal. Just pick something, go with it. If you want to flip high-end houses, go flip high-end houses. Who cares? If you want to buy cheap, dumpy rental properties, go buy cheap. I can get, show you an example of a multimillionaire in every niche of real estate, of like every area. It doesn't matter. Like You can find examples of people who succeeded yep. because they focused on it. So... Uh, we are, I'm building a, uh, sort of a, a machine is what I'm looking at. Like E-Myth style, like Michael Gerber style machine, which is basically, he used this analogy of your business should be a machine that just runs without you or with you. That's how you get out of the, having to work for 40, 50 hours a week. So I'm building a machine in which case I have a partner, his name is Lance, uh, who is at least in the beginning, like he's finding deals right now, like that he's, he's out there hunting right now for deals. I just want him to drop a dead deer on my front porch <laughs> and for that he's going to get a big chunk of the deal and i'm having other people as well we're actually that's what i mentioned earlier the kind of the internship if you want to call it that we're bringing other people to go out there and find some deers and come drop it on my doorstep and for that i'm going to give them a huge chunk of meat uh, i don't need all of it you know i say a lot 50 percent of a great deal is better than 100 percent of no deal Absolutely. right so if i get a third of a deal even i have to split it with 10 different people and i only get a little bit of it that's okay because i didn't have to do any work to get it uh, so I'm getting people, uh, I'm building up a team of people who are going to do that. I got a team of people and I got 13 people right now on, on and that'll whittle down over time and I'll probably end up with like two or three, but that all they do is analyze deals for me. They're going to just analyze deals. And so I got one guy out there, sh you know, hunting, he's going to bring in, somebody else is going to out there and identify what the deer is going to look like. And they're, you know, once the dead ones land on their porch or whatever, like they're out there like analyzing those deals, find out exactly how much I can pay for it. And then I get to approve or deny, and I'll go and run some quick numbers on just the ones that are most important. Again, because I don't want to spend 40 hours a week doing this. I want to spend about two, right? So, yeah, I got a team doing that. Uh, I got Ryan is another. He's a partner of mine. Uh, he also works for Bigger Pockets now, but Ryan is uh, like, like my right-hand guy managing that whole entire system. He's basically operations uh, manager or officer, whatever you want to call it. So I don't have to deal with like performance reviews of anybody. Like I don't want to deal with that crap. So I brought in Ryan to be able to do with that. So at the end of the day... I'm gonna have to raise some money at some point, and I'll probably end up bringing in somebody to help me raise money at some point and give them a piece of deal, right? So at the end of the deal, end of the day, I'll piece out a lot of this stuff, but at the same time, I get to train up newer investors to do those specific things: raising the money, finding the deal, analyzing the deal, doing all that stuff. I get to train up younger people who are excited and ambitious, give them a piece of the deal, give them more than they would ever got like on their own, most likely, and help them skip 10 years of learning that I had to go through and just jump right into the big deals right away. And so it's like a win, 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 win. And winning. Winning. Hashtag. Hashtag winning. That's, that's what we do here today. So that's what that's, that's how cool. I'm going to get there is I'm building a machine that's going to get me there. And, it's uh, going to be exciting to see yeah. where you're at three years from now when you got you know 1,200 units and you're like, oh, what am I done? Yeah, this I did it. All right. Thought. Yeah. And yeah, the whole thing, and you read it earlier, I got it in my office here. I have a thing. It's just, it's called the $50 million surfers is how it's labeled. What I here, Here's the backstory of this. It's a large poster. You could call that. It's on a big sheet of glass or acrylic, technically. It is a, I read a book called The Vivid Vision by a guy named Cameron Harold. And uh, it was recommended to my buddy, Seth Mosley, who runs a real estate company, and he runs a music company out in Nashville. And Seth had read this book 
and he put his entire music team on it. And basically what the book, and then he recommended me. So the book says, like, get a clear vision. Like, not a mission statement, not a, I want a thousand years in three years. That's my short answer. But if you guys were to look at this vision thing, it's like a thousand words. It's a massive article, essentially. So what I did, what the book says is get a very clear, long form of some kind vision of what your company's gonna do. So my buddy Seth for his music company, he brought a, he had created, like got a, hired a graphic designer after they had brainstormed all their, their vision, uh, a trifold brochure. Uh, you opened it up and it was like, welcome to uh, you know our company, the year is 2021, this is where we're at. Th- and it's like, here's how much money we make, here's how many employees we have, here's what we do, here's what people think of us inside the company, here's what the media thinks about us, here's how many hours that I'm working, it's like all this stuff. And so what I did, I read that book and I'm like, I should do this. Cause right now, like, I don't even know where I'm going hardly half the time, right? Let alone my team, like Ryan doesn't know where I'm going. Ryan's on my team. My wife doesn't really know where I'm going. So it kind of felt random, right? And here's the fun thing. We talked about this earlier. It doesn't matter like where you're going. Like just, so I just sat and I was like, okay, what would be cool? Like not what's the best. That's the wrong question, right? It's not what's the best thing I could do. It's what would be great. What would be awesome? What would be cool? What would be fun? What would like fire me up? And for me, I said, okay, well, there's a few things that I want. One, I don't want to work 40 hours a week. And I don't want anybody else to work 40 hours a week. So I call it the 30, 30-ish, <laughs> the 30-ish hour work week, right? Because I'm not going to track nobody's time. They show up. They do work because they like doing it because it's meaningful work. That's fun. It's challenging. It's exciting. And we're doing it together, right? So I have a team. I have five or six people on, on the team, maybe seven uh, that are like, you know, in-house working together on this thing. Uh, we take mandatory breaks, like company paid breaks throughout the week you have to go out and do something in the, in the wild like you have to go surf you have to go hike that's why i called it the 50 million dollar surfers because we're going to own a 50 million dollars worth of real estate a thousand units 50 million dollars in three years uh, and there's other things on there like giving back like we're going to go and do a mission i don't know if you call it a mission but a trip every year where we take our entire team this is not happening today right but like within three years i want to start taking our team somewhere to go do some good in the world right like let's give back to the world maybe go teach kids how to read good or something like that right like you know, um, yeah, we, we get out, we surf, we do that kind of stuff. Uh, we got amazing health insurance. I put that in there. Uh, everyone has really good work-life balance. Uh, what else is there that's cool I could talk about? Uh, we do live retreats, like mastermind retreats here in Maui. And we're already planning our first one for July right now. Yeah, and we're just going to bring together really smart, fun people to hang out in Maui and then use that as an opportunity to eventually raise money for deals. Because if people can afford a nice five or $10,000 trip to Maui uh, to hang out, they probably can afford to put some money into a real estate deal. So now we're building relationships. So it's all, it's, it's like the vision of where we're going and a little bit of how we're planning on getting there. And uh, that's it. So I, I now again, earlier my, I said my buddy wrote his vision in a like a trifold pamphlet, which was cool. And I was like, I wanna do something different. So I went through a bunch of ideas in my head. And finally I settled on, what if I made this a newspaper article? Like what if somebody like the Maui News wrote an article about my company three years from now? I even, so I, even, I, I wrote it and then I rewrote it a hundred times on an airplane coming back from the mainland to Hawaii until like it read like a newspaper article. Then I formatted it and you could hire someone for this, but I did it because I like graphic design. I made it look exactly like a newspaper article. You see this on like the you know back page of the business section. Um, I even started with December 31st, 2021, Maui, Hawaii. You know, Open Door Capital, a Maui-based real estate investment firm is an investment firm unlike anything you've seen. Instead of suits and ties, you'll find the small team wearing board shorts and flip-flops, if you can find them at all. They've replaced the 40-hour work week with something they call the 30-ish hour work week. 
and they take regular company paid trips to exotic locations like Australia, Mexico, and even Cuba. So by doing that, I now have this vision. I know where I'm headed. And that way, every decision I make is, should I hire this person? Well, does it get me closer to the vision? I just feel so good. My team feels so good. Like when I talk to my, my, my team about it, everyone's like, dang, yeah, that sounds awesome. This sounds like an awesome company. I want to work, like the first time I showed Ryan, who's like the one person officially on my team at this point, like in terms of like sort of employee partner or whatever you want to call it. Like Ryan was like, dude, I want to work for this company. And I'm like, I know, me too. And I'm like, this is cool because we do. We get to make this. This is the, bit, the sport of business, right? We get to make whatever we want. And so we're going to make this company... Um, Future hires, like when we hire people, first thing we're gonna do is show them this vision. Be like, this is where we're going. Do you want to be? Do you want to ride? Like, do you want to come with us? This is where we're headed. And people will work. I don't want to say like for less money, but they'll work for less money because they're excited because they believe in the vision of where we're headed. And I think if you don't have a clear vision for where you're going, you're wandering. And you might get there. I got there the last ten years. I didn't have a real clear vision, but now I do. And now we're like taking an overdrive. That was a long answer to your question. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. And I can tell by your answer that you're passionate about it. I'm so passionate so, about this thing. And if you ever get a chance to see this thing, which you might not, <laughs> it's super cool. So. I'll, I'll make a blog post about it at some point and just post the whole thing because yeah. I like it. I totally took a picture of it earlier because I was nice. like, man, I want to be able to do something like that. Someday. Yeah, write up a vision. I'm Where do you want to go? I'm not going to post it anywhere, but, <laughs> but it's cool. No, I don't actually don't mind. If you want to just take it and post it in the show notes of the show, that's fine with me. Yeah, throw it up there. That'd be cool. It'll inspire people. It's super cool. All right, so you might be able to find that in the show notes. We'll see how I feel. All right. All right, well, I don't want to waste too much of your time, but I do got to ask you sure. the, the all-important, do you have a favorite book hmm. question? I have a hundred favorite books. I'm yeah, a huge I know, reader. That's why I know it's such a hard question. Yeah. It's more like, do I have a favorite book today? Yeah, exactly, right? Let me throw out a few that I really like a lot. Lately, I've been really digging The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney and a bunch of other authors. We had Chris on our show. That's why I'm going to give him the shout-out as the author, but there's like three authors or four. I love that book. It's like not a real estate book, but it's just like, here's how to run a business and make it successful. I mean, it's the best way I can describe it. It's like, here's the tactical way to get your team excited, to have benchmarks, to have goals, to set, uh, you know, how to take a big goal down to a weekly, down to a daily, how to get your team excited about it. It's awesome. Uh, there's obviously Rich Dad Poor Dad, which was a huge influence on me. The ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy was huge. I learned about, about like multifamily and apartment complexes through that book. Uh, the four hour work week was awesome. Tim Ferriss's book was great. Um, anything by Cal Newport, deep work, digital minimalism. Uh, so good. They can't ignore you. Fantastic. 10 X rule. Grant Cardone's 10 X rule was really good. I like that a lot. Yeah, I got that. The 10 X planner. I have your, your journal too. I just haven't finished this yet. There you go. Finish that one and jump on the 90 days intention journal. We got a new version of that coming out actually July. Uh Uh, it's actually changing the name too. It's no longer called the 90 days of intention journal. It's called intention. Or intentional. I think it's intention, a 90-day plan for achieving your highest goals. Uh, because we wanted to take it from, we we just want we changed a few things and it. it's yes, even better totally. now. It's like 10x better. So oh boy, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So there's a few books for you. I'm also reading one right now, like right in the middle of a a book called Thirst. It's a story of the the uh, uh, charity water, the company, a charity called Charity Water. They make wells and the, anyway, a fantastic book about the, how like the Scott, the, the guy who started it, like where he came from, his messed up life that led him to starting this charity that's saved millions of lives. Uh, and I'm reading one called um, The Power of Moments. And it's all about how like most of life is just kind of fairly mundane and, and routine, 
but we remember moments. It's like the first day at your job or that first real estate deal. And the book is about how we have those and how we can build those, more of those in our lives so we remember. And uh, it's really impacted me a lot. I, in everything I do now, I'm like, how do I make more moments? Uh, how, do I, how do I manufacture or create opportunities where moments will organically grow and thrive. This is the moment right here. Like, this is cool. Like got the cameras, got the light. Like this is I the moment. So. This is cool. Yeah, this is cool. Like we'll remember this for a long time because yeah. this is just it's a good moment. Sitting in the shed, sweating. Sitting, sweating this we, hot. We didn't actually spray we were joking <laughs> yeah. earlier about trying to look like bikini models with yep. the sweat. Mm. No, it's real. No, yeah, this this the one downside of this thing in this shed is that it's uh in the afternoon, the sun just bakes it. Well, I mean, you have an air conditioner, but that's not just, conducive to podcasting. Yeah. It's not conducive to <laughs> It doesn't even work. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. It doesn't even, like, you get the afternoon, it doesn't matter how hard that air conditioning is going. It just doesn't matter. It's just like trying to, like, I don't even know. I'm, I'm really bad at analogies, unlike David Green, but it's <laughs> like trying to blow a sailboat with your, you know, mouth. Like, like it just doesn't make a difference. There you go. David will be proud of that. Yeah, one. he'll be proud I'm of that sure one. I had, to, I had to work for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, I know uh, you and I both got to go. I got an airplane to catch, and you got to go talk, uh, hang out with your kid and wife. Um, how can people get a hold of you? They can. I'm just kidding. Uh, Instagram just is my. Google the name. Yeah, Google me. Uh, Instagram is my is my social media network of choice. I have to, like I said, delete it from my phone all the time. Like it's it's on there right now. I got to delete it again. But I'll, that's how I'm most active. That's how uh, you can reach out via direct message. I can't guarantee I'll get you back to you because I get like 50 a day now. But. Yeah. Uh, Tag me on something on Instagram. I see things when people tag me, and I see those because I'm like, Beardy Ooh, Brandon. Yeah, at Beardy Brandon. Beard with a Y. Beardy Brandon. There you Should go. Throw that down below. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. It's funny. I do the same thing with my a lot of my social stuff. I am either logged out or uninstalled. Yeah. Otherwise, you just sucks you in. Yeah, Instagram's addictive. That Which is. means that they're doing their job. That is. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for... Uh, Joining, joining you, me, thanks letting for joining me us. join you, whatever. Thanks for letting me test out your new mic. Yeah, thank you. Let's hope this worked and that we didn't just waste the last you know hour. And we're gonna have the crappy <laughs> camera audio, which shut off a couple times. Time. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. Thanks. Awesome. Woo! Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes, now get out there and take action.